I love that song that Rachel just sang, that he made a sinner like me holy, and I'm so grateful for that. And this week we get to see how he made these women whole, and um, it's just beautiful. It was just a perfect song to, to set, set this whole thing up. Um, my name is Holly Nelson Still, and um, this I'm, I'm very excited to share tonight because this is a subject that's really close to my heart. Um, it wasn't that long ago, really, that I had my own personal encounter with Jesus in a way that changed me forever. And I love to hear people's stories. And I was traveling recently with my husband, and we were in a restaurant having dinner, and I had been praying and preparing and pondering the stories of these three women that we're going to be looking at tonight. And I said to my husband, as I'm kind of, it was a large restaurant, and I said to my husband, as I'm looking around, I said, every single person in here has an intricate, a complicated, and a broken story. And I wonder how many of them Jesus has touched and how many still need to be touched by him. And I tried interacting with our waiter. Um, I found out a little bit about him, but he was really busy, so we didn't get too far. But Jesus loves all people. And he wants to have an encounter with all people like he did with these women that we're going to be studying tonight. And I also love a good love story. Um, And about a month ago, I was flying home from the Midwest, and on the plane, I watched a Disney love story. And with the Disney stories, there's always a woman in distress. There's always a villain trying to keep the woman in her distress. And there's always the prince that comes along and destroys the villain and saves the woman and saves her out of her distress and her trouble. And he marries her and they live happily ever after. And I love that because that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Well, I was thinking about it and I started thinking these people have to get their scripts from the Bible because really that is God's love story. Um, And God is not only the author of the book, but he's also the hero in the book. And, you know, God began this beautiful love relationship with us, and we totally messed it up. And now we have this villain, the devil, who is trying to keep us in distress and keep us away from God. And God sends this prince to us, and for the rest of the story, he woos himself, woos us to himself, and he destroys the villain, and he saves us, and we live happily ever after in heaven, and I love it because that's the way it's supposed to be. And God's story is way better than the Disney stories. You know, God, God is not like man when it comes to what he says. He does not waste his words. So every book, every chapter, every verse, every word in his word, every story that has been spoken and was written for a purpose. And this is true with the three stories that we're going to be looking at tonight. 
These three, these three women from the Bible were in great distress. They were fighting a villain that needed to be defeated. And there's a prince who comes along at the final hour to save them. And these three women are like you and me. In their distress, they were disappointed. They were frustrated. They were discontent. They were filled with shame, guilt, worry, anxiety. There was condemnation. There was neediness. There was failure. And there was hopelessness. Can you relate? I get to talk to a lot of women each week, and I know many of you that I talk to feel like you are women in great distress. And I know you feel that right now, this moment, tonight. And I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage us, that Jesus came to these women in their deepest need, and Jesus wants to come to you and to me and to each of us, and our deepest need. So let's pray. Lord, we just come before you, and we, each one of us, need a touch from you tonight. We're each in our own situation, in our own distress, in our own pain, in our own suffering, and you are the only one who can help us. So we're asking for your spirit tonight and asking that you would just lead and guide. And I just pray this in your precious name. Amen. So before we get started at looking at these women's lives tonight, I want you to think about something. Did you know that the two most important things about you are your view of God and your view of yourself? I'm going to say that one more time. The two most important things about you are your view of God and your view of yourself. So I'm going to ask you a question tonight, two questions actually, and want you to write them down and just ponder it over time. Number one is what is your view of God? And number two is what is your view of yourself? And these three women give us some insight into these two questions. And I wanted to read the scripture, and then there are several things that I want to point out concerning each encounter that these women had with people and with Jesus. And our first woman is uh, in John 8, 1 through 11, and is the woman caught in adultery. And the scripture says, and I'm reading everything out of the New Living Translation, Um, It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. 
Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. This story is amazing to me. The truth is, she was caught in this sin. And where the guy was, nobody knows. This woman was forced to come before Jesus, caught in her sin. And have, have you ever been caught in your sin? It feels awful. Especially when the people who do the same thing try to rub it in your face. But what's so amazing to me about this story is Jesus. Jesus understood exactly what she was going through, and he understood exactly what she was feeling. But he didn't stop there. He knew all the thoughts and the feelings about the losers who brought her there in the first place. He knew their hearts. And ladies, we cannot get away with anything with Jesus because he knows us inside and out. So lesson one, Jesus knows everything about you, and yet he still loves you. This woman was in great distress, and Jesus did what no one thought that he could do or that he would do. He forgave her, and he told her to go and sin no more. He forgave her, and he set her free to have a life. And you know what I noticed the most about this story is that she called him Lord. And this is such a beautiful picture of God's grace. And this story is about forgiveness. Jesus had the authority to forgive her sins, and Jesus has the authority to forgive our sins. And I want to talk for a moment about that forgiveness that Jesus offers You may be sitting here and maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, please don't leave here tonight without talking to your group leader or talking to someone. Or you may be a woman who has accepted Jesus for your salvation, but you have not felt his personal touch. You may feel unforgiven for some sin of your past or maybe even of your present, And this actually happened to me. I accepted Jesus for my salvation, but I sat right here in this sanctuary for nine long years. I didn't have what you had. I felt condemned, I felt unaccepted, and I felt wounded by my sin of abortion. And I believed at that time that I was condemned, that I was a second class Christian who could never live the abundant life that you all were living. I couldn't forgive myself for my sin of abortion. 
I believed Jesus for my salvation, but I didn't believe him for my sanctification, which is my growing stronger and stronger in my faith and being more like him. The object of my faith was not my Savior or his forgiveness. It was on myself. And I wrongly believed that I had to forgive myself for my sin. And the enemy of my soul was right there to affirm to me, yep, that's exactly what you need to do, Holly. You need to forgive yourself. And it was a lie from the pit of hell. And I know that there's some of you out there who believe the same thing because I've talked to you. So I want to talk for just a moment about the myth of self-forgiveness. It's common for people to struggle with the concept of self-forgiveness, but there is no reference in the Word of God that instructs us to forgive ourselves. The Bible clearly instructs us to accept the gift of forgiveness of our sins, the gift that is provided to us by Jesus' death on the cross. We're not asked to forgive ourselves because we're not able to forgive ourselves. Only Jesus is capable of being our Savior and our Redeemer. And the author of a ministry that I used to be in, it's called Healing Hearts, she wrote this about self-forgiveness, and I thought it was really good, and I wanted to share it. She said in this quote, Self-forgiveness is like sitting in a mud puddle trying to wash yourself clean. Refusing the forgiveness offered through Jesus is the sin of pride and unbelief. It is saying, Jesus, your death and your blood are not sufficient for what I have done. It's exalting yourself over Christ and refusing his gift of complete forgiveness for all sin. And ladies, All means all. There's nothing that you've done that is out of reach or is is too bad for our Savior, Jesus Christ, to forgive. We need to understand God's forgiveness. And the the key is this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. Just like this woman was caught in the act of adultery, we are completely forgiven for all our sins. There is nothing else that is needed. Jesus said it is finished. She was forgiven. She was free to sin no more and to move on with her life. And we also read this week about the Syro- Phoenician woman, who I'm going to call the Gentile woman because I have a really hard time saying Syrophoenician, whose daughter had a demon. And here's another woman that was in great distress and trouble. And she is found in Mark 7, 24, 30. And I'm just going to read that scripture. It says, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. 
Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast, to cast him out, to cast the demon out from her daughter. Since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, First, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, That's true, Lord. But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. This woman was unacceptable to the Jewish people, as we read in this passage. She was referred to as a dog. She was desperate to help her daughter, and she was willing to go to any length to get that help. And I know many of us can relate to her distress concerning a family member, a child, or a husband, or a mother, or a father. At first, it appeared that she was being rejected, and I think we all know what it feels like to be rejected. Rejection is a very powerful weapon that the enemy uses against us. And every time we experience rejection, there's a potential for doubt and for unbelief. This woman came alone, and she only wanted a crumb from him. She didn't want what was somebody else's. She wanted what Jesus was willing to give to her. And Jesus could not keep his miracles and his love, his willingness to help people a secret. She knew she loved her daughter, and she was willing to humble herself and beg Jesus on her daughter's behalf. And she knew there was a possibility that she might be rejected, I'm sure, because I'm sure she had been rejected many times before because of who she was. But Jesus didn't reject her. Jesus accepted her just as she was. Jesus loved her, and he loved her daughter, and he worked on her behalf, saving her daughter. And so lesson two is Jesus accepted her just as she was, and Jesus accepts you and me just as we are. And he still knows everything about us, and he still loves us, and he still accepts us. And lastly, we read about the woman with the issue of blood in Mark five twenty-five through 34. And it says, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body 
that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. This woman was sick, and she was suffering under the hand of men. She was financially broke. And still, she grew worse. This woman was desperate. This woman was in great distress. Then when she most likely had given up all hope, she heard about Jesus. Where man failed her, Jesus healed her and restored her. And maybe you need some type of healing tonight. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's spiritual. Jesus is the answer. And there's something that I want you to see concerning these three women. Woman one, there was forgiveness. Woman two, there was acceptance. And woman three, There was healing that happened when Jesus touched their lives. And the object of each of these women's faith was Jesus. So I have questions to ask you tonight. So who or what is the object of your faith? What do you do or where do you turn in your most desperate hour? Do you depend on yourself or your abilities to come through for you? Do you depend on other people to come through for you? Do you turn to drugs or alcohol? Or do you turn inward and into depression? What, just what, if you turned to Jesus to help you? One, would you expect him to come through for you? And two, would you expect him to be your only hope? What we learned this week in our study is that we all need a daily touch from Jesus. Because, ladies, we don't know what the next minute holds, as the news so readily tells us. But Jesus does. The women in this story needed to connect with Jesus, and you and I need to be personally touched by Jesus. These stories were also very public moments. Our stories and our testimonies of God's faithfulness in our lives are important for our sisters to hear. I sat in church For nine years after being saved, feeling condemned and second class. And I was driving in my car one day, and I heard a pastor say on the radio, when you don't share your testimony, 
you rob the body of Christ from healing and encouragement. I had never told my testimony at that point. And then shortly after that, three words changed the entire direction of my Christian life. And those three words were when somebody asked me, what's your story? I was willing and I was broken enough to share that I was being condemned by my past. I needed help. I needed to be touched in a very intimate and personal way by Jesus. I needed to know in a very personal way that I was forgiven for my sin of abortion and all the other sins I committed. I needed to know I was finally accepted by him and that I wasn't second class. And I needed to know he could and would heal the brokenness that I felt down to the deepest part of my being. I needed to know I could be free. I wanted and I craved the freedom that these three women that we read about tonight were offered. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And just so you know, there are no second-class Christians in the kingdom of heaven. And what we learned from these stories, and like the pastor I heard on the radio, was that Jesus will call us out publicly so we can build one another up and so we can encourage one another in his grace and in his mercy and in his love And as we're going to hear about tonight, in a couple of minutes, from some some of the ladies that Jesus has touched in our own body, it's a beautiful thing. And our lives, our testimonies, our stories become Jesus's for him to do with as he desires. Just like the stories and the testimonies of these three women that were written about through all the ages for us to read. So in closing, I want to ask you again. What is your view of God? Do you believe that your personal sins are forgiven? Do you believe that he accepts you as you sit here right now, this moment? Have you allowed Jesus to touch and heal your deepest wounds, or do you feel like walking wounded? Wherever you are, or in whatever season you find yourself in tonight, Jesus wants to touch your life for whatever your need may be, great or small. And the second question is, what's your view of yourself? Do you believe that you are loved by God? Do you believe Jesus died on a cross for your personal sins? Do you believe that you are a new creation? Do you believe that God's promises are for you personally? Do you live your life through the resurrection power Jesus made available to you when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior?
God in his word has told us who he is and who we are. He's told us where to discover information about ourselves, how to live, what we need, how to be whole, how to love him, and how to love each other. We need to let the Bible, this love story from God, define who God is, our view of him, and define who we are, our view of ourselves. For many years, as a Christian, I let my past define me. I let what others said about me define me. I let my own wrong thinking define me. I let the enemy of my soul define me. But the word says, God first loved me while I was still a sinner. He loved me and he loved you. The pure, holy Prince of Heaven, Jesus Christ, is the one who gets to define us. He has destroyed the enemy, the villain of our souls. And he has swept us off our feet to live with him forever in his kingdom of love. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence, 2 Peter 1.3. What you believe, ladies, forms your thinking. Let's believe what he says as these three women are examples of his forgiveness, his acceptance, his healing, which leads to our freedom. Amen? Lord, thank you for what you did on the cross for us. Thank you that all we need is you for life and for godliness as we get to know you, Lord. And I just feel your spirit I just want to, with just everybody's eyes closed and our head bowed, if you need a touch from Jesus tonight, please just raise your hand. <laughs> Lord God, we have our hands raised. We need a touch from you. We need you to enter every part of our being, our thinking, our, our mindset, our heart, our will, our physical body, all of it, Lord. We need you. Thank you for this picture of these women and, and more women. These are just three of the women that you left for us to glean from their neediness and their faith in your great power and glory and love. We thank you, Jesus. Touch us tonight.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Holly. I, I, I love the two questions that you gave us because I think these questions need more meditation. Absolutely. We believe, but do our actions show it? Do our actions prove that we believe, that we are forgiven of everything past, present, and future? So thank you. That was awesome. So since tonight's study is about stories of women that Jesus touched, we wanted to give opportunity for a couple of women to come up and share a time in their life when they were touched by Jesus. So the first gal I asked to come up and share has been coming here for a long time, and she is one of the first women that I met, um, and we've become friends over the years, and she is gifted with generous hospitality and a heart to serve the women. And she has an amazing story of God's faithfulness. So Rita, come on up. Hi. I asked Janine if she'd give her a dollar, she could come do this for me. She said no. Um, so I'm Rita Hiller. Yes, I've been coming here for 30 years. I was, however old I was, very young, very young believer, yet very young bride, and um, yeah, and forgiven, but not um, totally committed. So what I wanted to share was not just one story, but a lot of different stories, because in this, God was always faithful to provide, to be my provider, to be my strength, and so many other things. So on the, on the lighter note, I was thinking, when Kathy asked me, she goes, what are you going to, the next day, she, the day after she asked me, she goes, so what are you going to share? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> but, um, but I do want to share, just sitting here in the women's um, Bible study, where just so many years I came without even doing my homework. I just sit there and listen. And, um, but God was still, his spirit was still working. But one time I remember it was a Thanksgiving thing, and, and um, this is, um, it's really silly, but it was a time we were headed to New York, and I'm just going to give you a couple of little stories of God's faithfulness. And we were headed to New York. My husband, my late husband was from New York, and so we didn't have a whole lot of money. I don't even know why we went. We put it on the credit card, probably. And I didn't have any clothes. I had California clothes, and it was um, the winter. And I'd have a sweater. But this is how God is. He, um, I wore just whatever I was wearing. We went shopping to Sears. And my sweater got caught in the escalator. And I got a new sweater for uh, New York. So that was just God providing the simplest things. And he's just so faithful in that. In the same time, two months after we moved here, um, God, um, let me see my notes, sorry. I kind of wrote it a certain way. Um, well, down the street, I live on Osborne, but anyhow, two months after we moved in, um, there's this, all of a sudden we hear sirens, and it was uh, the cops were chasing this drug dealer. And um, 
So it ends up, they thought he was in our house, long story short, they ended up doing $25,000 worth of damage. But keep in mind, my house was decorated in 1970 with indoor-outdoor carpeting (laughs) that looked like fall. um, So praise the Lord, that was his creative way of redoing my house, you know, and updating it. That's our God. He's so awesome. But there's some other sides um, in all these little things. And we all have God stories, and they're not for me. You know, I was thinking, Lord, what would you have me share? They have, there are so many. But there's the simple ones to help us grow in our faith in the simple things so that when bigger things come, you know where you can go. Because you know of his faithfulness, you know of his provision, you know of his love, you know of his forgiveness. You know that you know that you know that you can go to him. So I'm, um, I was married to PJ for 24 years before he passed, and one month short of 24 years. And in that, as a young bride, we were living in Vista, and he had three kids prior. Well, one day, um, my stepdaughter... Um, Okay, I told myself I wasn't going to cry, but I probably will, because I have never shared this. Um, So, and because we've been studying this, but I'm barren. I've never had any children. And so there's this one time, my little granddaughter, her name is Lexi, and Tina, her mom. So she was little, and so all of a sudden she runs and she grabs her mama's leg. And she goes, Mama! And my heart just sunk, thinking that I would never... Lord, will I ever bear a child? So, of course, you know, days go, and he just ministers to your heart, but it's just something you always carry. And, um, but, you know, in, again, coming and learning and gleaning and reading and staying in fellowship and abiding, you know, you read God's word, and he gave me the scripture, and it just ministered to my heart. And I'm not, you know, um, and he said in Philippians 4.11, whatever state I am in, to be content, for I have learned um, for whatever state I am in to be content. God didn't call me to be a mama, you know, and that's okay. He called me just to love a husband who was really hard to love at the time, (laughs) but that's okay. Um, And I'm just so thankful for that because he knew what was ahead. He knew the journey that we would have to go through in the, in the next, say, 20 years. And um, he just knows. So the things that we long for, even though he says no, he could say yes, he could say wait, he could say just say no, be content in whatever state. And, um, and that's okay. And so just like last week, it is well with my soul on that. It is good because God has been faithful. I mean, and every day there's a new promise. There's a new God story. You've got to keep looking for them. Don't put them aside. Don't take them for granted. You know, every day is a gift. As we well know, tomorrow is promised to no man. And we know that. And so we have to take every opportunity. And anyway, even just that one. But, you know, I look at so many different things he has done in my life. I mean, now, just like four years ago, um, I was waitressing. I've always been in hospitality, brought up in restaurants. And, um, but I have a bad foot, and I can't walk anymore. So you wait, good, a good waitress you know, with a bad foot. <laughs> but um, couldn't, you'd be getting your food a little slow. So anyhow, but you know what God did? 
he provided a job. And he provided a job where I wouldn't have to be on my feet. You know, it's just trusting and just being, you know, I go, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I don't even know what a right-of-way person does, you know. So I had to look it up in the dictionary. <laughs> but, um, but he said in that, he said, Rita, and it's in Psalm, um, my notes are all scattered because I got so excited. He said um, in Psalm 32, 8, he said, I will instruct you, I will teach you, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. He taught me, I mean, Angie, she's a tester, she knows. Um, But yeah, he has taught me. You know, I finally kind of know what I do now um, after four years. But I mean, there's a story after story after story. But I I didn't, you know, a lot of you know my story, you know, um, that um, I was widowed and then I had a sweet gift the Lord gave me, but the Lord took it away in Jerome. And and, um, so through all of that, he's opened opportunities to minister to those who grieve. And so we have Grief Share, which I serve with my sweet friend Janine, and um, which is awesome. But he keeps doing great things. And after um, the after Jerome had passed and time had passed, and and uh, this is my last one, which is so sweet, and I'm so blessed. And I said, and I was a waitress at the time, and the girls were all excited about their dates and everything. And I was driving home, and I'm like, Lord, would anybody ever pay interest? You know, be interested in me ever? You know, and just all sad. And then, um, honestly, probably about 30 seconds later, Kelvin called me on the phone, and it was just so sweet. And then I went home, and I just opened the word, and then he said, in 1 Peter 5.10, he said, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And in another version, it says, settle you. So as I just want to just, you know, there's so much. But I would just encourage you to continue abiding in the word. You know, it's life. And, you know, Holly, like you were just saying, he gives us all we need for life and godliness and just our life for today. And, again, there's story upon story. But in each one, encourage each other to share those stories. Don't keep them in. Share them. Because there's someone that's carrying, I used to sit in the back just carrying a heavy burden. And I was too ashamed to share. But I was able to share it, and I shared with somebody who was going through that exact same thing. That God had already healed and restored in me. To give each other hope. So, may the Lord bless you guys. Thank you, Rita. That was sweet. Truly God's faithfulness in your life. Okay, and so the next gal I asked to share has been coming to Calvary for 16 years, but she's been hiding in the crowd until the Lord called her out and touched her in a sweet and encouraging way. So we met about a year ago. Imagine, she's been coming here 16 years. I've been coming here 20-some, 23, something like that. And we only met a year ago. And so I've been, been blessed to get to know her better, and I know you will too. Come on up, Stella.
Hello, everyone. Hold on, sorry. First and foremost, um, for the honor and glory of God, of course, because he is our Savior. And um, I thought 16 years was a long time, and I was the only one hiding in the crowd, but it sounds like other people have that story, too. And I sat in the back for 15 years. It's a long time. Sorry. (laughs) I would come and go. No one would even know to call me. I'd come in late and um, leave early and not, you know, trying to rush the traffic out and always had an excuse to leave early. Never even finished to stay for the last worship. I didn't connect with anybody. I couldn't tell you anybody's name. I was disconnected. I thought I had it together. But I was a wreck inside. I carried a lot of baggage. A lot of baggage. Um, Fear, worthlessness, anxiety, pain. But it was when I stretched out and grabbed the cloak of Jesus... And I wasn't going to let go until he cleared me from that. And it wasn't a five-minute prayer. It was a three- or four-day event, Jesus and I. And I wasn't going to let go. And I was persistent. God, take this from me. I can't no more. And it was when I attended Healed and Set Free that I was able to do that. And I read many times the Proverbs 3, 5 to 8, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And I read that many times. But I asked myself, did I really trust the Lord? Did I really trust him? Now it was time. Now it was time where I decided, Lord, I'm not going to let go this time. Please free me from this. And I came to church that Sunday. And I sat in the back. And the message that Sunday and the worship was just right on for me. The Lord was speaking to me. And I, at that moment, I was free. I was free. I was, I was free from all that. And when I realized it, I, I stood there and I was so, I went from, from it, it was amazing. I just went to Lord, I'm thankful. What can I do for you? What, what can I do for you after all you've done for me? Just, I'll do your will, whatever you say. And the spirit voice came to me and said, you need to go to the Spanish church. And I almost stopped 
in my thought and said, what was that? <laughs> so I left church. I'm walking to my car saying, go to the Spanish church. I, I almost, I smiled and actually just kind of laughed at the, that. <laughs> so the second Sunday I come, I sit in the back again. Again, I'm so, I'm in the Lord and I am so thankful. What can I do for you, Lord? And, and again, the message says, you need to go to the Spanish church. And so I leave the service, and I'm walking to my car thinking, okay, that's two times in a row now I get instructions, and it just seems strange. (laughs) So so the third week, um, I happen to be late, and there's no parking. So I'm forced to go around the building and park on the other side behind the store and I'm crossing the street and I said Lord you really put me where you wanted me to be because now I have a decision to make see you have to pass the Spanish church to get to the English church you cannot this is the moment of truth this is the moment where the Lord is saying here you go what are you going to do and sisters, I obeyed the Lord. I was shaking like I am right now, <laughs> not, not knowing anybody in the Spanish church either. And I went to the Spanish church. I listened to the Lord. And I sat down, and they said, oh, we have a visitor. Stand up and state your name. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's their custom to get to know their newcomers and their visitors. So I stand up and I said, my name is Stella and I'm here to serve you. I was obedient to the Lord going to the Spanish church. Um, I try to help out as much as I can there to serve the Lord there. I serve the coffee that you drink today and the water that you have out. I help here too. But you know, there's another verse that um, really touches my heart. And it's John fifteen ten and 11. It says, if you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just if, as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So sisters, trust in the Lord. Be obedient to his calling so that the Lord's joy can be in you and you can share that love with others. Begin to be everything God created you to be.